Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome to Hawks Live. We got a live group right here. What's up? How y'all doing? I am Michael Bumpus. Paul Moyer is not here, but he's thinking about us. He just had his second or third grandchild. He's down in Texas doing what he has to do. Instead, I got my guy, Ray Roberts. Give it up one time up, for Ray what Roberts. Up, what up, what up, I'm better looking than Paul anyway. Are you? Yeah, of All course. Right. I believe you. Yeah, I got I believe you. I'll, I'll, I'll let the, the people who make that judgment make that judgment, but I'm going to ride with you real quick. Ride with me, dog. All right. Hey, so last week, it's been a while since we, uh, since we got down, right? So... The last time we saw the Seahawks, they were playing against the New York Giants. And we saw a great performance, Big Ray. We saw that defense get after Daniel Jones in the rest of the game. And the critique is going to be like, look, these guys weren't playing against anybody. Who are the New York football Giants? They are a football team in the NFL. So, yes, you take it with a grain of salt, but you also got to be like, look, you did something that only a couple teams have done since 1980-something. Yeah, I, I think the thing that the Seahawks need to take away from it, especially the young guys on defense, is like you hear all the messaging that Pete gives in the locker room. Always compete, earn everything, win it in the fourth quarter, all that kind of stuff. And they got to experience some of that in this game. They also got to experience what it looks like when this defense is working the way they designed it to work. That is valuable. It doesn't matter if you're playing against you know, the, the New York Giants or the kitchen sink. Like, you get, to, you, get to, you get to see what it looks like when it works. And so that gives you a little bit more confidence going into the next game. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, the question coming into the offense, or excuse me, the, the season was, how good is this defense going to be? I think you have Geno, you got Ken Walker, you got DK, you got Lockett, and they were able to keep the party going as far as winning games and, and getting these clutch situations. The question was the defense. I look at this defense right now, and we haven't seen them like, at full force for a while. We saw Jamal Adams for nine plays. I love the nine plays. If you don't like Jamal Adams for nine plays, you don't like what he does, then we, we'll have a conversation afterwards. Just <laughs> holler at me, and, and we'll make this thing right, okay? But for nine plays, Jamal Adams looked like the guy that we paid for a couple years ago. Yeah, I mean, he brings such a different dynamic to the team, and he brings a different... Um, energy to the team like we, we, even like Quandre Diggs just his excitement of having him having this guy back on the field and you saw like early in the game they sent him after the quarterback right. you know he he missed the sack so that could have been 12 sacks uh but and then he had a big hit uh, out in the flat unfortunately the next time you know he got the concussion and things but he brings a different dynamic a different playmaking dynamic to the defense that they they have some other players that they can put in there and can make plays but uh his plays are so impactful so it'll be, it, it's good to see him back on the field. The concussion thing was okay. He did get suspended for having some words with the, with the, uh, with the official there on the sideline. And so we'll expect to see him on Sunday. That's what kind of bothered me a little bit about the concussion thing because <laughs> I don't know if you guys have ever had a concussion. I've had a few myself diagnosed, probably some that weren't diagnosed. Right. I think you've had some as well. A few. When you have a concussion, you're not there. Right. You're so not I, there. I, it would have been so unfair to punish this dude for, <laughs> you have a concussion, so that means that you're not thinking straight. You're probably not, you know, in, you know uh, internalizing things and, and, uh, and processing things the right way. So I like that he was like, I mean, maybe he really did want to go back in the game. Maybe he felt like he was fine right there. But, right. you know, with the protocol, you can't, can't go back in the game. All right, so 
There's a young man who had himself a day against the New York football giants. We're going to say his last name on the count of three. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Last name. One, two, three. Weatherspoon. Man, you look at this, this young man, what, four games into the league, you see the progression that he's working with, right? The first time we saw him, he had two passes defended on fourth down. Boom, he's good to go. The very first series we saw him against the New York football giants, he sets the edge, right shoulder. My guy, he's probably smaller than me. My guy <laughs> yeah. sets the edge. He's making plays. 97-yard touchdown, one yard away from the uh, the franchise record, which was set by Bobby Wagner, which just baffled me. I, I go, remember that How game. the heck does no one yeah. tackle about Bobby for 98 yards? I mean, Bobby was rolling out, but it seemed like it took him a long time to get there. He must have been like 24, 25 years old when it went down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, no disrespect to Bobby, one of the greatest uh, Seahawks of all time, but what have you seen out of this, out of this young man? And Devin Witherspoon. Well, it's the things that you can't teach, right? Like, uh, there's one thing. There's, there's guys that in the league, uh, they want to make sure that on Monday morning they get a plus or a yes beside right. their assignment. I was right. in the right place. I was in the right depth. I was looking at the right thing. I was reading all that stuff. Great. That's good. But he has this element that you can't teach of instincts where he can kind of, he understands what the defense is trying to do, uh, how they're trying to attack him, and then how he can interrupt what right. they're trying to get trying to get done you can't some of that stuff you can't coach you just try to keep informing it and so he's with a great coach with you know Pete Carroll is you know we've had great defensive backs there you have Richard Sherman around all the time all those guys around so if he can absorb all of that knowledge and keep matching it with his instinct uh, he's gonna I mean he's already his coming out party was spectacular right to have such a big night uh, on the biggest stage in the biggest city uh, you can't you can't beat that so the way you describe Devin Witherspoon, I feel like me at Disneyland with my family. It's all instincts. I'm looking around, seeing who's doing what, where's my kid, right? It's all instincts. And you can feel when something ain't right. Right? You exactly. know, you, you, yeah. your senses tick up, and I'm like, look, something's going on over there. Let's go this way. Now, uh, Devin Witherspoon has been probably the highlight of the secondary. We talked about Jamal Adams, mm -hmm. and we haven't seen the, the full Reek Woolen that we're used to seeing right. either. I can't wait to see what he does this weekend. Yeah, I mean, you know, I hate comparing uh, this group to, like, the Legion of Boom because each group has their own right. dynamic and their yeah. own skill set and all that kind of stuff. But they are shaping up a secondary that has the potential to have impact like that. You know, maybe not one of the greatest and, you know, ever, because that's just kind of hard to say, like, like the, the, you still got to go out there and do it. But they have all the talent. Right. Like, even Reek Woolen, uh, who I think he had only played, he was a receiver in college, played his last year at defensive back. 14 games before 14 he games got into the 14 games at defensive league. back, came, yeah. you know, came here, and right away, I remember Pete Carroll talking about him in one of our production meetings, and he got up and showed, like, how cool he was getting into his stance and how calm he was and all that kind of stuff. So there's things that... His speed you cannot teach. <laughs> you know, like the, the one play last year where he was, um, he was beaten over the top. He was running behind the, the receiver, pointing to the safety to, to get over. <laughs> I remember and then that. just decided to just turn it on. Against the lines, speed. I think. Yeah, picked yeah. up speed and then broke up the pass. You cannot teach that. So you have two very unique uh, corners. And then Witherspoon plays inside and outside. So you have these two really unique corners with different types of skill sets, different things that they bring to the team. Uh, but impactful in the same way. So let's look forward to the Cincinnati Bengals. You guys, if you look at this team on paper, you're saying, look, the 31st offense in the league, 
the 30-something run game in the league. We all know who's over there. You got Joe Burrow. You got Jamar Chase. You got Mixon. I don't know if Higgins is going to play or not. Right. But there's enough over there Tyler for you Boyd. to respect. Tyler Boyd. Yeah. To, um, to respect what's going on. When you look at this matchup, what do you see? What should we expect? Well, the thing, you know, the pass rush last week was obviously awesome. You know, even the guys that didn't get sacks, but the pressure rate was, like, very, very high. Uh, they have to keep doing that. But the difference is that Joe Burrow isn't a, as big a threat to take off and run the way uh, Brown is, but he's very crafty in the right. pocket. Right. And so if, you, if, you, like, if you're not sure, if you're not in your right lanes, he can find the lane, and then all of a sudden he's scrambling and hit somebody for a big play. So it's going to be important for them to keep the pressure on them. The offensive line there is kind of up and down. Some, some weeks they play well, other, police, other weeks they don't play so well. To me, that's probably the weakest part of the team. So it's going to be important for our front seven to really get after them. Uh, have them playing from behind, behind the chains, behind on the scoreboard, that kind of thing, getting pressing a little bit. So uh, I think, you know, because that offense can be explosive. Mixon is like the third leading receiver on the team, and he's the leading rusher. Yeah. So you have to deal with that. And then, like you said, Jamar Chase, and if, if T. Higgins is playing, T. Higgins, some people think, is a number one receiver on other teams. Yeah. So it's going, to be, uh, it's going to be important to really have those corners and the secondary match with the pass rush to put, to put some breaks on this offense. A guy for the Bengals who probably doesn't get enough love with the public, but within his peers he does, is uh, Trey Hendrickson, man. This guy can play. He made the Pro Bowl and only had six sacks. Yeah. So that lets you know, like, how people think of this guy. And when you have an offensive line that's trying to figure out who's going to be available, who's not going to be available, um, I've been impressed with how they've been able to get five guys together and just take care of Geno. What do you expect when you look at that matchup with D-line and offensive line? Well, I think, you know, with, with Charles Cross coming back, uh, I think you're probably going to still maybe at first give him a little help, just kind of see how it's going. But Help I don't, means what? Tight end on the like side? Tight end on the side or put a running back over there to chip on the, on the way out. Right. Uh, but I do think that in his best health self, I think Charles, Charles Cross can handle him by himself. The, the thing that Hendrickson gets you with is his hustle. He just doesn't stop, and so that's how he gets. That's how he gets a lot of sacks. But they also have um, uh, Sam Hubbard. He has a couple sacks, and then they have another defensive tackle, uh, B.J. Hill or Hall, I think it is. He has two and a half sacks. So it's going to be work for the whole offensive line. But they've done. Uh, Andy Dickerson has done a great job uh, coaching these dudes up, and these dudes have done a great job taking what they've learned in practice to the game field. Hey, I'm happy to be back. I took a week off. We got a great crowd in front hey. of us. How y'all doing? We got Big Ray and you know filling it. in for Paul Boyer. Coming up next, we'll dive into the Seahawks Week 6 opponent with the Cincinnati Bengals with Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com. That's next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hot Slide, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. We got a live show. We out here, baby. 7 o'clock every Thursday right here. I'm I Michael Bumpus. I'm with Big Ray Robinson. Right now, we're joined by Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com. Is it Bengals or Bengals? How do you guys say it? It's almost like when I went to Idaho, I said Boise, and someone said, no, it's Boise. What is it? What is it, Jeff? Ray Roberts is there. That's news. <laughs> hey, what's up, big dog? <laughs> How you doing? I'm all right. Hey, that's how famous my man is. He said, <laughs> forget your question. I'm going straight to Ray Roberts, man. Hey, Jeff, man. 
How are you guys doing? What are your thoughts on uh, this offense, man? Because you look at this team on paper, and I try to tell people, I go, look, this is not who they are. All right, it's been rough with um, with Burrow having his calf injury. Um, what are your thoughts on this offense, and what should we expect as Seahawks fans? Uh, well, I mean, you know, you hit it right on the head. I mean, it's uh, everything's connected to the calf. And if he can move, and he's clearly going to have to move Sunday or he's got a lot of problems, um, if he can move, they're an offense. And if he's struggling, they're going to struggle. So, uh, you know, it looks like it's on the upside. Uh he had a good league. He had a good. He had a good enough week last week that he told the guys leading up to the Arizona game, "I think I'm going to be able to buy time. I think I'm going to be able to get out of the pocket." And he, and he was able to. Sounds like he's saying the same stuff, you know, now. But you know, hey, it's a it's a soft tissue injury. Who knows? But uh, it's only getting better in the last three weeks, and uh, that's uh, you know, you got to keep your fingers crossed, and we'll see the same guy out there. Uh, that we saw Sunday in Arizona, but completely different defense they're playing. I mean, I'm had I was hard pressed, uh, you know, to name a to name a guy in the Arizona defense, but uh, that's that's not the way with Seattle coming in. Yeah, speaking of Seattle's defense, uh, last week they produced uh, 11, 11 sacks, uh, no, numerous hurries, a uh, pick six. Uh, how I know in the past the offensive line for Cincinnati has struggled at times to protect. Joe Burrow, how has they how have they played this year? And then, you know, what do you think their matchup is with our defensive our defensive front? You know, I think I think they're better than they've been perceived. I think people look at them and they still think they're the same guys that blocked two years ago in the Super Bowl. You know, or they think they're the same guys that blocked in the championship game in Kansas City. But no, that's that's the the, the completely different line. That line in Kansas City last year was missing three stars. So, um, you know, you could trace a lot of his pressure early in the season was to the fact that he couldn't really move. I think, honestly, I think the line has done, has done pretty well. I mean, I, I, I think uh, given it the fact that the quarterback's been, you know, was immobile, immobile for much of the season, they gave up some sacks, they gave up some pressures. That was the game plan early on was uh, they'd play man, they would press, and they would just come at Burrow, and he, all he could do was get rid of it, or he, or he get sacked. So, um, you know, I think I just think the Bengals' offensive line, you know, up until the Arizona game, you know, mixing them and getting four and a half yards of carry. So, I just think um, they're probably not where they want to be uh, after really, uh, you know, spending all that money the last two off seasons. But they're pretty good, I think. I think they're better than people think. Jeff, I know you, uh, you've done your research, you've watched the film, and uh, Jamar Chase let everybody know that he's always freaking open, apparently. Yep. And I believe him. He's one of the best receivers in the league. He has 15 catches last week, uh, franchise record for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, is there something that's missing within this offense, or was it just Joe Burrow not being healthy that uh, didn't allow Jamar Chase to be the guy that we're used to seeing until last week? Yeah, it's a good question. I think Arizona kind of played them soft. They played zone. You know, they let them get them into the spaces, you know. Um, I think that uh, they've been moving him around a lot, and I think he's a lot more comfortable now getting moved around than he might have been three weeks ago. Uh, Burrow obviously has a lot to do with it, his health, um, you know. And But I do think a lot of it's probably been, the, the, you know, the defenses uh, they've played, you know. Um, and uh, I think... 
I think there's a timing issue, too. I think people forget that, you know, I mean, I, I know Burrow and Chase, it seems like they've been playing since, you know, Pop Warner. Uh, but he, Burrow didn't practice for 34 days. He basically, I mean, he missed all the training camp and didn't start practicing until 10 days until the opener. So, you know, that's a lot of back shoulders. That's a lot of, uh, you know, that's a lot of high points. Um, so I just think, I just think everything's starting to come together now a little bit. Well, on that defensive side of the ball, um, you guys have gotten some, some good production uh, in the pass rush with Hendrickson and Hubbard and even uh, one of the defensive tackles at Hill or Hall. I can't, B.J. B.J. Hill, I think it is. Yeah, Hill, um, B.J., right, right, that's right. But yep. What makes Hendrickson so different? Uh, I mean, he has six sacks already in the season. He's not the, the biggest dude or the fastest dude, but, uh, but he's made Pro Bowls uh, with less than 10, 10 sacks and things like that. What, what makes him special and, and uh, good for this defense? Never, never stops. He's got a motor, uh, you know, he's got one of those motors, and uh, you, you can't, uh, I mean, the guy's relentless. And... Uh, he's got, I, you know, I mean, his first, I mean, his get off. People talk about his get off all the time, and it's, uh, you know, the guy's, uh, the guy's almost invisible. Boom, he's gone. You know, that first, that first step. You know, and uh, you know, the other thing is, he's, uh, you know, if you talk to the guy, he's just, he's a very, very focused guy, um, and uh, it is, uh, you know, it's get to the quarterback or, 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 or it's a bad snap, and. Um, you know, but it's that it's that first. I mean, it's that first step. I mean, he is a, he's a really a handful out there. And the other guy on the other side uh, of him, Sam Hubbard. Uh, you know, he's I guess he's the I guess he's probably the stereotypical you know left end. Uh, I I um, going into this year, he had the most tackles. Uh, you know, of any um, uh, any edge player since 2018 in the league. So, but he he, he can do more than play the run too, and that. He kind of and and they got a pretty good rotation going with Osai, you know, coming off the bench. Cam Samples a solid guy, so they're pretty deep there. He doesn't have to, you know, he doesn't have to play every third down or every passing down. Jeff, how quickly things change with an organization. When I was coming up, we looked at the Cincinnati Bengals and thought, okay, we'll see what happens. <laughs> but now there are expectations over there. And uh, so far this year, you haven't met them, but I feel like the, uh, the fan base is educated enough to know that, okay, good times are coming. What's the vibe like over there with the fan base when it comes to the Bengals? Well, that's a pretty good call right there, and I didn't mean to be dismissive of your question. We do call it Bengals, although uh, several people do. Uh, even people around here call it Bengals, but it is, it is Bengals. And uh, I think the... Uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty it's it, when it comes to football, uh, you don't get you know you don't get more knowledgeable than Ohio. You know, the, the folks uh, live and breathe football. The Friday nights around here are uh, are unbelievable. You know, it's it's like college games and not high school games. And uh, you know, they get it. There's also a sense of uh, in borough we trust. You know, and uh, they've seen a lot of magical things these last couple of years. So. Uh, but uh, you know, it's they're they're two and three. It's a tough division, so I would say it's a uh, folks are uh, you know they're worried about this one. They know what Sir Peter has. You know, to me, uh, to me, Pete Carroll, he's the uh, he's one of the best. He, he and they and, and and to me, he's the it's the Balt you know uh, the, uh, the Seattle's the NFC version of uh, of Baltimore. 
You know, they're going to come in. They're going to control the clock. They're going to be physical. They're going to they're going to beat you up. They're going to play great defense. Um, the special teams, you know, that's a nice little matchup this 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 trip here that people don't talk about. But you know, uh, Darren Simmons, the longest tenured special teams coach in the league, going against a very good uh, Larry Uzo uh, group there. That uh, um, that you know, Pete always makes sure he's got great special teams. So we've seen this act before with Baltimore, and uh, and uh, they didn't they didn't beat Baltimore this trip, and so it's. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it's a hopeful, optimistic uh, fan base. But like any fan base, it's uh, you know, uh, uh, it's a little bit. Every fan base is always nervous, right? Yeah, stay nervous. Unless you are just a dominant franchise like the Pages for 20 years, you better be nervous. But you know what, Jeff? They're nervous too, man. Hey, we appreciate your time. Thanks for staying up and hollering at us, man. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, Jeff. All right, that is Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com. Come join us here at Hawks Live at Bellevue Square Center Court where you have a chance to win gift cards from the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Tonight, they're giving away gift cards to Hapanessa and the Central Bar and Restaurant. When we return, we'll talk to Tackle Jay Curhan. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. You are listening to Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection. Every Thursday, we are right here. I'm Michael Bumbus with my guy, what Ray Roberts. And right now, we got Jake Curran on the line. What's up, Jake? Nothing much, man. Just enjoying my Thursday night. Enjoy the Thursday, right? It, it's the little things in life that, that makes it special, man, especially when you're living life in the trenches, man. Now, now, when I was in high school, I asked my coach to let me play guard for one play, and um, I was folded like a piece of paper, Jake, just straight up. I'm, I'm 5'11", a buck 85, so I found a new respect for the offensive line, man. When did you know yeah, I mean, that you, you got to be – you got to be the first high schooler to uh, ask, ask to play the offensive <laughs> I line. I know it, right? <laughs> hey, I wanted, I wanted it all. I played quarterback, running back, receiver. I go, what am I missing? Offensive line. So I had to, <laughs> had to go do it, and I'll never do it again, Jake. I'll never do it again. Um, man, w- when did you know you're going to be an old lineman? Because I hear a lot of old linemen tell me there were tight ends at the time, there were DNs. When did you know that this was your path? Well, I didn't actually start playing football until I got into high school. Um, and at that point I was probably six, four already. And, you know, 200, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds. And they, they didn't give me too much of an option there. <laughs> uh, so it was, you know, stick me on the line and, and figure it out. Hey, big Jake, uh, you guys have had to shuffle a bunch of guys in and out with the, with the injuries and things and have done a tremendous job. What? Is it about uh, Andy Dickerson's style and approach to coaching that gets gets you all you guys ready to come in and perform this way? Yeah, um, you know, I think in practice we switch it around a lot. You know, unless you're one of the guys who who you know has has a starting position locked down going into the season, you kind of got to be able to play in a couple of different places. So, uh, yeah, you know, whether that's switching around between tackle and guard or swinging it at one of those positions or playing all interior three, I think, you know, everybody we have has the ability to flex the multiple different positions. And then with that, you know, we play next to a lot of different guys. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we've, we've got a lot of chemistry built between us um, and between a lot of different combinations. And then um, in terms of Andy, I think, you know, we just do a good job uh, in the meetings and the walkthroughs going over all the assignments and making sure everything's clear and, and really understanding how to take those mental reps to make sure you're prepared. Jake, no matter what defense you're facing, whether it be a, a 42 box or, or 32, 34 front, you face consistently one of the most athletic positions on the field when it comes to getting after the quarterback, man. Does that stress you out? Like, take me into what it's like being offensive <laughs> tackle. I'm sitting next to one right now, a top 10 pick. What's it like for you? Man, I, no, not really. I, you know, I always played uh, tackle all the way through high school and, and through college. So that's, you know, where I'm comfortable. I, I get more stressed out when I have to slide inside because that's newer <laughs> for me. I didn't start doing that until two years ago when I, when I had to uh, come into the league. But no, you know, it's, you know, a lot of it's about just angles and understanding what you're good at and, and making sure that you're in the right spot. So you're only giving them one direction to beat you. And it's a whole lot harder for those guys to do that. Um, if you're only giving them one choice. So, uh, yeah, I mean, no, it, it, it probably did when I was a freshman or sophomore in college, but at this point I've gotten a whole lot of reps out there. So that's, that's where I'm comfortable. Hey, uh, Jake, for the last month or so, you guys have had uh, Jason Peters uh, in the room. Uh, it's a pretty young room uh, without him in there. But what have you guys, uh, what has he brought to the room? What have you guys learned uh, from him, uh, been in the room? Uh, have you had a chance to kind of pick his brain about uh, some things at, at the tackle spot? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was, that was huge getting him in here. Um, obviously, Hall of Fame level player has been around the league for you know, I, I was probably not even, I, I definitely wasn't even 10 years old yet when, when he started <laughs> out playing. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's been, it's been great having JP around. Um, I've definitely picked his brain a little bit and I know like, uh, myself stone and, and some of the newer, younger tackles we have have been working with him a lot after practice and just asking questions like, you know, here's what we got this week. How do you deal with this type of rusher or this this type of on, on whatever play? And he's a guy that's seen everything. So um, that's been huge. And the other part that's been huge about it is uh, he got in here right before we were going to play the Lions. And, uh, you know, I feel like he kind of reminded me to just play my game rather than like, you know, over or, or take coaching too far, like try to – you know, do too much or, or not do what I'm good at instead focus on like the things that have, have gotten me to be successful at, you know, college and at this level. And, and that's been really helpful. Jake, your, uh, your leader out there is Geno Smith and uh, Ray and I do the pre halftime and post game show for you guys. So we get an opportunity to hear Geno Smith um, speak after the game. But during the game, I look at Gino, I'd be like, man, he's fiery, man. He, <laughs> he gets hot out there. Um, what's it like in a huddle with him in a tense moment, man? Those are one of the things that I miss when it comes to playing football is being in the huddle and having those conversations. What's it like when it's, the game's on the line and, uh, and you guys need to make a play with Gino? Yeah, I mean, Gino's a competitor, man. And I know you uh... – there's been the well, was a clip from the Lions game where the ref picked him up, and then the, there was some some times that we got a little bit dicey against the Giants uh, two weeks ago. 
I'm sure that's what, what you're kind of referring to. But, yeah, no, he's a competitor. And uh, if, if something doesn't go his way or something doesn't doesn't seem uh, like they necessarily did the right thing there, he'll, he'll get fired up. And he's, you know, I, I think I speak for most of the guys when you kind of love seeing a quarterback go get after yeah. some other guys. He's not afraid. He's not going to back down. So we love that. But when, it, when, it's, uh, when it's time to go and it's a tense moment and, and we need to get something done, he, he reels it back in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you love seeing that kind of fire out of a guy that you know, plays a position that isn't necessarily as physical uh, as, as the 10 other positions on offense. So, yeah, that's fun to see, and I think it fires all the guys up. Hey, Jake, uh, you guys have two really good running backs in Kenneth Walker and in uh, Charbonnet. Two totally different type, two different styles, though. And I get asked this all the time, Ben, Offensive lineman, do you block differently, or does it matter who's back there? Uh, how do you, how have you guys, as an offensive line, approached the two different styles? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> to be honest, I don't even know if I notice sometimes when they switch them in and out uh, until they get past me. So uh, no, we're, we're it's the same plays, all that. Um, you know, they might have different personnel packages for different plays. That's you know supposed to be for Zach or Ken or you know DJ with some of the wildcat stuff too so I'm sure they have their their own runs but I'm not I'm not worried about you know who's back there necessarily obviously they're they're different style players you know Zach's one cut and then gonna go run over a couple of people and Ken you know seems I I would hate if I had to try to tackle Ken just because he makes everybody miss and fall over but uh, no, they're they're both really good players, and they're they're both fun to block for. But we're we're just running our stuff, and then you know if, if Zach's in there, he's gonna he's gonna make one cut and then run a few guys over. And if Ken's in there, he might run completely the opposite way and then take it for a touchdown because he's just you know that, that good at uh, making people miss. So uh, same same stuff for us though. Jake, man, we appreciate your time. We call you Mr. Stay Ready over here, man, because wherever they need you, <laughs> you are ready to go, man. You oh, enjoy your Thursday. I don't know if you play video games, you're chilling with your girl. I don't know what you're doing, but in, enjoy your Thursday, and we appreciate your time, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. Peace. All right, that is Jake Curran, man, one of the most versatile linemen. Big Ray's been talking about Jake Curran for a long time when it comes to this offensive line. When we return, we'll go around the NFL, man. We're going to talk about the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Jets, the Bills, whatever feels right. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Live on air on Seattle Sports. What's up? This is Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bombas with Ray Roberts. We got a great crowd in front of us. I know what y'all waiting for. That DB that's going to be here pretty soon, Deborah Witherspoon. But uh, every Thursday right here, right 7 here. o'clock, Baby Square Center Court. We will be here. I'm Michael Bumas with Ray Rovers, like I mentioned, man. And it's time to go around the NFL. If you're looking at the Thursday night game, 16-0, to zero, the Chiefs lead the Broncos. I'm not surprised. Are you surprised? No, I'm not. You know, the, the, the Broncos are a train wreck right now. And, you know, I can't even say that, you know, I kind of feel sorry for Russell because he, he has played some okay football, but the, that whole franchise is just kind of like a dumpster fire right now. And so uh, I don't know if it's going to get any better as the season goes on, but the, the Chiefs seem like they started out a little bit slow this year, but they're starting to find the rhythm. So we'll see how they finish. You guys ready for some reality? I'm talking to the, the live crowd here. The 49ers are good, guys. 
They are good. Boom. Boo that team. Do you hear? <laughs> boo that team. That was a soft boo, man. Y'all right. sure? Because they know. <laughs> that team's pretty good. You got Brock Purdy, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Defensely, Fred Warner, Greenlaw, Ward, Gibson, Ufunga. I'm looking at these guys and I go, look, it's a blessing and a curse that they're in our division. Because we know we are going to get a chance to play them and right. see what this team is really made of. When you look at the 49ers, what do you see? Well, my rookie year with the Seahawks, we went and played the, uh, the Dallas Cowboys. And I don't think we crossed the 50-yard line but one time. <laughs> and it seemed like they had about 50 dudes on defense. I swear, if you block two of them, three of them came free. <laughs> and that's what their defense feel, looks like to me. It just seems like their defense overwhelms other offenses. I mean, they're just, I mean, Fred Warner's coming from everywhere. You got Bosa doing, you know, his thing. And it's just like, they have players all over the place. And then on offense, man, uh, you can call Purdy a game manager or, you know, he's lucky that he has the offensive quarter and head coach he has or the weapons around him. But this dude is doing what he's, what they pay him to do. And he's doing it at a very high level. So it's a, it's a little bit scary because his confidence is sky high. Right. And so then he's going to take some chances and make some throws and do some things. McCaffrey is just unreal. McCaffrey might be like one of the top MVP candidates right now. So yeah. they have some really good football players. Yeah, all around. I, I, on that team, as a quarterback, you don't have to be the best quarterback in the league. You just got to run the system. Yeah. But I think that's what Brock Purdy is doing. All right, let's, let's shift over to the AFC, man. I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills, and I'm trying to figure them out because I think you lose that first game against the Jets. Mm -hmm. You put some games together. You lose another one, and I'm not sure what to make of the Buffalo Bills. I know they have Josh Allen, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, Stephon Diggs, one of the best receivers in the league. But defensively, they're not the team that we're used to seeing. When you see the Bills, what type of feel do you get? It, I don't feel like I can trust them. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. The, honestly, the I'm only dude, I, the only dude I feel like I can trust on that entire team is Stefan Diggs. Yep. Because he's gonna, he's a great route runner. He, you know, if he he doesn't drop a whole lot of footballs, he makes big big plays. I've known this dude since he was in high school, and he's been the same dude the entire time. How's that? How you know since high school? He's from Maryland, and they were recruiting him at Virginia when I was working there, and so I was able to talk to him and his family, trying to convince him to come to UVA. But was his little brother with him too? Not at the time. It's no. just him and his pops. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, but, no, nah, he's a, he's a f fantastic player. I just don't have a whole lot of faith, faith in Allen to consistently yeah. play well yeah. and consistently protect the ball. Yeah. Uh, I, still, I still like, is, you know, they did kind of get tempered down a little bit, but I still, like, I still feel like I have more faith in the Dolphins than the, than the Buffalo Bills. Really? Yeah. Uh, what do you like about the Dolphins? I just like, the, I like what they try to do on offense. I, speed kills. You know, speed freaking covers up a lot of bad things. It's a band-aid for a lot of things, you know. And so they have some good speed on both sides of the ball. And I don't know, I like, I like Mike McDaniels. He's an he's a interesting dude. They try to come up with, you know, he tried to make it sound like he's trying to come up with new offense. I don't know how new it is other than he just has a freaking 4 by 100 USA track team. Right. Uh, but, uh, but I just like his approach to it. It's cool and calm. He doesn't like, you know, every week you don't get some big, huge statement out of him. And, and I think they're one of those teams that people can easily go like, oh, they're a big splash to start out with and just kind of write them off. But they're still right there. All right. We're going back to the NFC. Who here thinks the Cowboys are legit? 
One hand. We got one hand like out it. of a thousand people I'm looking know, at right now. Right? One hand out of a thousand thinks the she Cowboys no are <laughs> legit. I look at the Cowboys in every year, right? When you spend money and you put players on paper, you're going to say, you know what? They got a chance to win. You know what, Ray Roberts? I've been around this earth a few times. I've been around the sun, excuse me, <laughs> a few times, right? And not since the early 90s have the Cowboys been legit. And unfortunately, I look at Dak Prescott and I go, man, I, don't, I just don't know. I root for him. But I, go, I, just, right. I just don't know if he's capable of doing it. Uh, the Cowboys took an L to the 49ers last week. What are your thoughts on the Cowboys? Uh, I, I think the Cowboys are, I don't want to call them, they're, almost, they're an almost team. Like every, every position is almost good enough. Uh-huh. The quarterback's almost good enough to make you just kind of hang in there with them a uh-huh. little bit. Make you believe. It's make you believe. The uh-huh. offensive line is the same way, even though they have some, some all-pro type players, but they're hurt a lot in and out of the game. Uh, on defense, Parsons, to me, is a legit player. Sometimes he just talks a little too much, and you bring too much heat to yourself. Uh, Diggs on the, in the secondary, you know, he, does, he gets the ball. He turns it over a lot. Uh, he's not playing right now because of injuries. But, you know, he can be beaten, too. And so right. sometimes, um, like, you like to play against dogs or, or players that bark the loudest sometimes uh-huh. because usually that's an insecurity. They're trying to cover something up. Because if you're that good, you don't have to tell a whole lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It just happens. Now, some people are a little bit different. Richard Sherman was a talker, but, you know, you could see his game until he was balling out. But the Cowboys, yeah. they kind of pretend good. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they can be good. I don't know if they show up in the big moments. I don't know if the coaching shows up in the big moment. So I, I, I can't. Grew up a Cowboy fan, though. Was, grew up a Cowboy fan. Uh-huh. Wanted to play for the Cowboys. Almost got drafted by the Cowboys. They won... I don't know, two or three Super Bowls in my first four or five years in the league. I was here in Seattle, 2014. <laughs> no, but, um, uh, but, not. So, but I've always had a little bit of heart for the Cowboys. But, uh, but they, they just seem like they, uh, they talk the talk but don't necessarily walk the walk when it counts. Yeah, when it matters. I feel that. And some controversy went down with that Cowboys-Niners game. So when we talk best tight ends in the game, I think you got to go Kelsey. Mm-hmm. You got to go Mark Andrews. You got to go Waller. And then you got to go Kittle. Right. Kittle had himself a day. Three catches, three touchdowns, 67 yards. And he raised his jersey up and it said, freaking <laughs> the Cowboys. Something like that. Yeah. You guys get my drift, right? I've seen guys fine for socks in the NFL, right? Do you think. The NFL should fine George Kittle for uh, freaking. Yeah, I, I think they should just because that's what they do. He'll 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 get some hefty fine. However, I love it. I I love like sometimes the NFL. Ray, there's kids here. Ray. <laughs> you got kids here. You still All love I'm saying it? Is like sometimes the NFL just kind of like dampers down the fun so much, and they damper down the 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 physicality and just the the natural trash talking and stuff that comes with the sport and uh and i liked that george kittle was like whatever they find me it's worth it like it was it was awesome and then you got parsons john with you know he has a little podcast and he's he's going back and forth with debo samuels i love that kind of stuff it's part of i mean when i grew up playing on the playground it was like that you right. played other neighborhoods you're talking trash to them you're doing whatever and then all of a sudden you get to the league and they try to make it so 
so professional that it takes some of that out of it. And so I like all of that stuff that's happening right now because at some point you're going to have to line up across from the dudes and you're going to have to you know, put your money where your mouth is, you know, and that's where, yep. that's where it matters. I like that, you know, because, uh, well, my kids, you know, I drop a couple things every now and then <laughs> just to let them know that this is what reality is, though. Um, but, no, I, I'm with you. I think that I, I appreciate George Kittle bringing people back to reality. Yeah. Because if you were mic'd up back when you were playing, <laughs> could you imagine the things that we would hear when yeah. you were playing? Well, I know one time I was uh, breaking the team down uh, in Detroit, and, you know, they have the big boom mics over. Right. And my mom heard what I said. <laughs> and, uh, and so after the game, oh, no. after the game, I had all these calls from my mom. Like, she's calling me as the game's going on. Like, I'm, like I'm going to go to the sideline <laughs> and pick the phone up. And, uh, and she was just like, hey, boy, like, I, I taught you better than that. I'm like, what are you talking about? And she's like, I heard what you said on TV, and I, I still have no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about, Mom? She's like, before the game, you was talking to the team, and you said this, and you said that. And I'm like, Mom, like, like I'm a different dude when that happens. Right. I'm not junior at that point. I'm Ray. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and Ray is a different dude when he snaps his chin straps on. I'm like, so next time, just don't listen to the pregame part. Yeah. Just wait till, the, wait till the game starts. But, yeah, it's, a, it's some very choice words even during like at one point i think a few years ago they were talking about micing up putting more mics on the field so you can hear what guys were saying uh -huh. yeah you better pay for that no nah, you, you better yeah. pay for no, that you, you don't want that <laughs> you don't want that at all you thought there would be no kids watching football he wasn't ray he was big ray in that moment you don't mess with big ray yeah all right when we return the moment you guys have all been waiting for Devin Witherspoon will be here in person we'll talk to the rookie sensation that is next right here on hawks live Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District at the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court. Every Thursday from 7 to 9, live on air on Seattle Sports. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer. Welcome back to Hawks Live. I'm Michael Bumpus with Ray Roberts. Paul Moyer just had his second or third grandchild, so he's in a Texas, as our, <laughs> our local cowboy would say here. I would tell them to boo you, but I like you too much. I'm not going to do that to you, okay? <laughs> um, and we're looking. Here's the thing. When you uh, draft guys who aren't from the area, Bellevue's confusing sometimes, you know? I'm from California where it takes 30 minutes to go five minutes, and, <laughs> and you figure it out. But uh, we're, we're looking for Devin Witherspoon, and he will be here. Don't you worry. But in the meantime, we're going to do a little song and dance and stall a little bit. Let's do All right, it. We're going to focus on this matchup between the Bengals. Is it as simple as just having a quarterback who's better than the next quarterback? Now, Joe Burrow is the highest paid player in the NFL for a reason. He's taken this team to a Super Bowl, back-to-back -back conference championships. He has done a lot with a little when it comes to that offensive line. Can you just look at the quarterback and say, all right, he's a better quarterback. They should win this game. I mean, I, I think if they're both playing, if both quarterbacks are playing their best football, probably Joe Burrow has the, the advantage. Uh, but I can't say that you just because of Joe Burrow they're going to win the football game right. because there's just too many players you know like you have a Quandre Diggs you have a you know uh you know uh, Bobby Wagner you have Witherspoon you have Tariq Woolen like that's Jamal Adams that's a lot of dudes that can make plays and then on on our offense at every skill position you can there's guys that can take it to the house you know, the tight end, you know, uh, can take it to the house the running backs can take it to the house all the receivers so it is it's more than just a quarterback 
It's more than just the quarterback. It's the O-line. It's the D-line. And it's these dudes making plays right now. We are joined by Devin Witherspoon, man. Hey, the folks, the folks waited a long time to see what you can do, man. Um, training camp, I think you had like a hamstring thing going on. You, you, you took your time. You waited for your opportunity. And you hit the ground running, man. I mean, when you are as high as a draft pick as you are, you already got the swag and the confidence, man. When you stepped on the field for the first time during a regular season game, what that feel like? Uh, it just felt like I needed to get back to the bases. Um, basically, just going back to play football again, just on the biggest stage. So I was just ready to get out there and compete. Yeah, I, uh, Bob just talked about your swag and like you're such a low key dude. It seems like off the field, but yeah. but but then on the field, like your personality, your playing personality is huge. Mm. Like, where does that come from? That's just me being me out there on the field. I just love to compete and go out there and play. So I show a lot of passion and emotion for the game because I love what I do. So that's just the reason why I put that down on the field. I love it, man. Keep doing it. <laughs> so so when they drafted you. Um, did you think, all right, I'm going to be a corner, I'm going to be that nickel spot? Was there, was there communication when it came to what your role was going to be, or did it just kind of happen organically as the training camp went along? Uh, we didn't really have a set spot where I was going to be. Um, that kind of happened more as just the game plan. They got a feel for how I like to play and seen it on tape. So they were just like, okay, we're just going to move you around just to see how you adjust with it. And I was able to pick up on it pretty good. So we was like, okay, we're just going to move you around. I'm like, all right. I feel you. So you grew up in Florida. Pensacola, Florida. You went from that from that heat to that cold in <laughs> Illinois. What was that like? Boy, tell me something. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Nah, it was just extremely cold. Like, I ain't used to that. And it's just windy, especially in Illinois. So it was just bad. But um, you get used to it, though. When you're out there on the field, you just got to suck it up and play. But off the field, it ain't nothing to be messed around with. Uh, I feel that you. cold is vicious. Man, it's vicious. Man, so. I, I'm from Southern California. Then I went to school in Eastern Washington. This is the first time I saw a negative when oh, I looked yeah. at the bar. I'm like, what's going on here? I go, we canceling practice? What are we doing, coach? He's like, nah, lace them up. <laughs> Let's go ahead. That's, it's the usual. So right. it's like, it, it's nah. a regular Tuesday for you. <laughs> right. Oh, and when I was in practice, I was layered up. I had like too many layers on when I was oh, practicing. Yeah. Same for you? Two layer thermal, sleeve, pants, tights, long socks, whatever. <laughs> Vaseline, everything. Everything. That's old school with Vaseline. <laughs> you need all that. Yeah. Hey, when you, um, when you get the phone call from the Seahawks, mm -hmm. like a, a lot of people in the draft was you know, thinking the Seahawks were going to go a different direction, mm -hmm. and then they call you, like, were you always in contact with them? Like, did, when you talked to them doing, like, the pre-draft stuff, like, what, what were those conversations like? Did they give you an indication that, that you might be their guy? Nah, um, originally, I was just, I ended up taking a visit here um, during my uh, visiting my teams and stuff like that. And um, I really wasn't supposed to come here, and then they booked me to come here. So I'm like, okay, um, we fitted in my schedule, and I came here. And then I had no idea I was going to be here mm. after the draft. So I'm like, okay, they just brought me in, whatever, whatever. Um, so I originally, everybody thought I was going to Detroit. So I was like, okay, I'm not probably going to fall past six. Right. Um, and then we, I remember draft night like it was yesterday. I was sitting down. I was, uh, I was on my phone. I was seeing where everybody said, where everybody's going to go and stuff. And then all the camera people were around Jalen Carter because I think he was mm, on the phone. Right. And then I was just chilling. I'm like, okay, okay, probably, I'll probably be going next. <laughs> so, um, but then I had got a call. 
And then it was from Ray and Watson. I'm like, I'm like, I told my agent, I'm like, hey, they, they called me. I ain't know if I was supposed to answer the phone. So um, I answered the phone, and then they told me they were selecting me. And then by the time I looked up, all the camera people was around. I was like, nice. oh, I just put my head. <laughs> but that was dope, though. No, that's, that's awesome, man. That's an awesome feeling. What what positions did you play growing up? Because I, I mean. You know, I about the same size, average type dude. So I would assume running back, DB, yeah. receiver, maybe even some quarterback. Like, what yeah. position did you play? All the ones that you named and safety and stuff as well. Yeah. So yeah. Which ones did you uh, did you want to play? Did you kind of fall into your role now, or did you think I'm going to be something else? Um, no, nah, I kind of always knew I was going to play like on the defensive side because they took one time me see somebody get hit on the slant route. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that ain't going to be me. <laughs> yeah, nah. So ever since then, I made the transition to defense, and I just stuck with it. So you've been you've been with the team, or you know, this is what four games into the to the season had a big, huge Monday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are one or two things that you've learned? that you've learned since you've, uh, since, since you've been in the league? I just feel like it's hard to win in this league. Like, every team is a tough team to play against. Um, they are, everybody going to have good scheme plays to scheme you up and beat you. So it's like, in this league, there's no fall-offs with teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see around the league each week, like, you would be surprised that one team beat another. Right. But that's just, just how the, the league goes. So I'm just, me, it's just hard to uh, win in this league. And you just got to go out there and continue to play. So. Right. NFC Defensive Player of the Week. Two sacks, picked to the hoodie, to 97 the, of them things. You know I, call, what I, mean? I did call that, by the way. <laughs> he, did. He, he did. So we do pre-halftime and post-game show. We make our predictions. Yeah. And Big Ray predicted that you're going to take one to the house. Oh, so, shout out to Big Ray. Big hey, <laughs> to Big Ray. Big. So you've had like so much success early, man. Um, you know, you're still a rookie, but when you prepare throughout the week, what, what keeps you going, what keeps you motivated? Uh, my teammates, um, the way we just prepare and we talk to each other about every week and how we going to um, play different concepts, different routes that teams like to run. And then when we self-scout ourselves and see how teams are going to attack us to beat different um, coverages, we just go out there and it's like every week we got to be on our own point. We got to be at our A1 every week because teams going to first. Um, so that's, that's really keep me level-headed throughout the week. And I just go out there and continue to prepare and just go out there and play football. Well, it's not often that rookies get like uh – big huge compliments it used to be you should be seen and not heard yeah right but early uh in training camp uh they were talking to Quandre Diggs Mm -hmm. and he said that the energy and the swagger and the confidence and like bordering on cocky I don't care what you call it like that some of the older players needed to see that they Mm -hmm. they needed to be reminded of that and that you you kind of brought that to them what do you think about uh that type of a compliment uh, now nah, that's dope though that he said that. Um, me, I just really I just take it around with it. So I'm like, Carter said that then, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That's um, that's like my OG in the room. But yeah, I just uh, I feel like I kind of remind the old guys, of them younger selves, mm-hmm. and remind them that the game is always gonna be fun. So just go out there and continue to have fun. Go out there and just play your balls off and just go have fun. Man, I remember um, when I was playing. Wasn't drafted as high as you. I wasn't drafted at all. I snuck through the back door. Uh, and I remember walking into the receiver room and seeing all these names and these guys and be like, man, I'm here right now. Right. You know, I, I would imagine that you had a, a moment that where you felt like you arrived, man. Do you remember that moment and what was that like? Uh, it's kind of blur, a blur now. But when I first walked into the room, I'm like, I really played for this. Uh, NFL team. So I was like, I play for the Seahawks. And then all the rookies, we kept saying that to each other. We'd be like, 
this our job. <laughs> <laughs> this is our new lifestyle. So we just really couldn't get over it for real. And then after um, we had a mock game and then the preseason happened and I didn't get a chance to play, I'm like, so I'm like, I wanted to play with all the rookies. I'm like, y'all yeah. look like y'all having fun out there. <laughs> like, I want to go out there and have fun too. And then before you know it, the season was here and then it got real. So it's like, now it's a 53-man roster, a practice squad. And you just see a lot of people faces that you've seen in OTAs and rookie minicamp that's not there anymore. So it's yeah. like, okay, this, this is a real business, a real job. Yep. So um, yep. every day you go out there and got to prove it's an interview. So you just got to go out there and show them why you're worthy of being here. So I think I've read somewhere, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that uh, you're, you were kind of like a late starter to football and that your mom convinced yeah. you to play? Yeah, so I played part one in football, and then when I got to high school, I stopped. And then I ain't play again until my junior year because I was playing basketball. Mm. So you got a, a game like that. Oh, yeah, I was a hooper, though. <laughs> it, it get like that on the court, though. Yeah. <laughs> but your mom, what, what was that conversation like with your mom? She just kept, she kept begging me to play football just one more time. I'm like, Mom, I don't want to play football no more. She was like, just please play one more year for me. I'm like, okay, okay, I'm just tired of hearing this. It's been two years, and she's steady been saying that. I'm like, okay, I'm just getting one year out the way. And then after my first year, I had got my scholarship off of Detroit University. And I never looked back. I just kept running with it. So what you get mom as soon as you got that good uh, little signing bonus? Come on now. We can't speak on all that. Hey. <laughs> I'll just take care of it. Hey. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's what's up, man. Hey, 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 we're happy you're here, man. You keep doing your thing. It's been a pleasure watching yes. you play. And um, I'm excited to see how you grow from here, man. Appreciate Give it. it a one more time for Devin Witherspoon. All right, when we come back, man, we'll go inside the field when we talk about Mario Edwards, sack, DK, Metcalf, touchdown, and also my man right here, 97-yard touchdown to the house. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Welcome back to Hawks Live. The faithful are still here. Devin Witherspoon was here, and about 15% of y'all <laughs> left. But it's okay. We're still here, man. I'm Michael Bomas with Ray Roberts. It's time now to go inside the film room. The first clip we're breaking down, Mario Edwards sex Daniel Jones for a 10-yard loss and a fumble recovered by the guy with the bionic knee, Jordan Brooks. First, and they did give it to him, as we said. First and 10 at the 25. Play fake. Jones steps away from a sack. Being chased, gets hit, ball comes out, fumble, Seahawks, Seahawks have it, it's Brooks, spins out of a tackle, fights his way down the sideline, knocked out of bounds at the seven-yard line. The Seahawks had two guys that got a shot at the big quarterback of the Giants. The first one he was able to avoid, the second one he could not. He was sacked, forced to fumble, Brooks picks it up and takes it down inside the 10. What'd you see there, Big Ray? Well, the first thing I saw was uh, Nuosu, who came off of our defensive left side uh, and didn't bite on the run fake. Right. Uh, because if he, had, if he had gone down on the run fake, the quarterback could have gotten out to the edge and had more space. But he stayed up the field, actually missed the sack. So he could have finished with three sacks in that game. But it slowed the quarterback down enough uh, for, um, man, I forgot his name. Mario. Mario Jones to come around and get the sack. Yeah, that's what I see there, too, man. You got that, that jet sweep that is trying to lure Edwards out, right? And then you have the play fake to be like, look, in case you didn't take the jet sweep, 
You're going to take this play fake and get your shoulders downhill. And that's what QBs are looking for, what play callers are looking for. Like, look, we want to influence this guy, whether we widen him out or narrow him down, getting his shoulders uh, down the line of scrimmage, and it just doesn't happen. And then, I mean, come on, Jordan Brooks, guys. Jordan Brooks. I did not expect to see him until about November, maybe around my birthday, baby girl's birthday, December 13th. You know, but he's out there making plays. Uh, that was a big one for the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, this next play, we got Geno Smith. He finds DK Metcalf for a six-yard touchdown. Geno out of the shotgun as Walker beside him. Just to his left, awaiting the snap. Geno takes it. Steps up in the pocket. Scrambles away to his right side. Looking to the end zone. Fires a dart. In the back of the end zone, DK. Does he have his feet in it? Touchdown, Seahawks! DK Metcalf with the rope-a-dope in the back of the end zone. Hands down by his sides. Gino fires a bullet. And Metcalf reacts, makes the catch, feet in. Six-point Seahawks. I've been great. Gino making plays. Tell me what you're looking at. Well, I'm looking at the offensive line on on this uh, play. The two tackles kind of got... They stayed between their guy and the quarterback for the most part, but they got pushed back into Geno's lap. And so yeah. the thing that's, to me, that has been uh, impressive about Geno is his mobility. I, I didn't think that he was as elusive as he is. Sometimes not so much when he tries to do the, like, the, the Michael Vick, like run back 50 yards to gain another two yards. What, what game we're talking about was the that Detroit the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but when he, when he kind of stays within what he's capable of doing, he's very mobile in the pocket and he's able to get outside. And then this throw to DK and, and DK, you know, doing, not having his hands up until the last minute, like I don't, I don't know if I could have ever done that. That's a, that has to be a wide receiver thing. It definitely is. Is, is. is it a is it a name for it? Someone was calling it the Deke or something. Uh, it's Deke. Deke is more hockey. Hit him with the Deke, right? Yeah. Mighty Ducks. Triple Deke. Hey, hey, 80s babies here. Anybody? Triple Deke. Triple Deke. <laughs> D two. You know what I'm saying? Mighty Ducks. But um, no. What DK did was. Because there are keys that lets a DB know the football is on the way. Right. Our eyes get big, mm-hmm. and those hands start to show. Right. So DK has. <laughs> the, the, shield the shield on so you can't see his eyes so he was just late with his hands and boom but this is one of the reasons why I feel like Geno Smith is underrated mm-hmm. because he's going east to west and I, I coach high school football you coach high school football and when I talk to my quarterbacks whenever they're rolling out I tell them you got to push downhill before you throw the football to get more power on it but then you deal with a grown man he goes <laughs> no nah, I'm gonna go east west I'm going to fire that thing out there, and DK is going to get it done. I think that's what we saw right there. And D- DK did a great job of selling the whole situation. Oops, sorry. We had the, the DB with his back to the play the mm-hmm. whole time. So he had no idea. So uh, good job on DK. Good job on Geno Smith. I'll, I'll also say, too, that to, from when DK came into the league and to be able to have the confidence to make that catch because he was a body, big right. time body catcher right. when he first came in. And so that just kind of uh, speaks to also the work he's put in to, yep. be a, a, to, be, to be a better receiver and a hands catcher. Couldn't agree more. All right, next play, Devin Witherspoon speaks, uh, so, excuse me, picks off Daniel Jones and runs it back 97 yards for a touchdown. We just spoke to this man. So yeah. Jones from the shotgun, read it beside him in the backfield, single wide out left with a slot to the right side. Seattle looks like they want to rush four, and they do. Jones is going to throw. Throws near side. Ball 
picked off. Witherspoon comes near side, down the sidelines. Jones chasing him, he cuts back inside. Picks up blockers, still being chased. Witherspoon far side, 20, 15, 10, 5. He is in. Holy catfish. Witherspoon went a mile and a half with the interception for a touchdown. Well, what you see? What it, I mean, I just I don't know much about the route concepts, but it looks like they had two kind of return routes, and he sat right in the middle of both of them, and then the quarterback throwing the ball. The thing that I think is kind of funny about this whole thing is when he got to like the 35-yard line you, and hey. was trying to change <laughs> directions, and he had the little windmill yeah. arm thing. Yep. That 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 looks like a like. That's how I would have to change directions. Right. I need I need all the help I need to get my, my whole body going one direction. And then the other thing was just how easy uh, Tariq Woolen was running yeah, oh, really yeah. fast. Yeah. On this in on this interception return, he just kind of jogged down the field and was clocked as the fastest uh, uh, run in the in the NFL so far this season. And he was just chilling. So what I'm looking at, I see. Tariq Woolen is responsible for the flat. You got your number two receiver, which is the guy that is second closest to the sideline. He runs a slide route is what I call it. So you're running out and you slide back in. Tariq Woolen is responsible for the flat. So if that receiver slides back in, he has a linebacker that's responsible for the hook to curl. He goes, look, I'm going to pass you off to that guy. So he passes him off to the guy and him being in the right place where he's supposed to be mm-hmm. at the right time, he gets rewarded by the $40 million quarterback, <laughs> Daniel Jones, which I think, you know what? I never want to hate on a man for making his money. Daniel Jones, you make your money, you finesse the system. All right? But this right here is why I never thought he was worth it. So Daniel Jones throws just a horrible ball in Devin Witherspoon is where he's supposed to be. And now it's time to get money. You got your quarterback who's chasing you. You better not, as a skill guy, Big Ray, you can't get caught by quarterbacks or kickers. You get caught by quarterbacks or kickers, you're going back to that locker room, and they are giving you, can I say that word? H, H word. Heck. They're giving you heck (laughs) when you you get into, uh, into the room. So, no, that's Devin Witherspoon, man. When you just do your job, sometimes you get rewarded. Some, and and that's just, exactly what happened. Yeah, and, and like we said earlier, for this guy, man, like two sacks to pick six uh, on Monday night in New York, it's, it's amazing that he picked, that all that stuff went down for him in that moment oh, yeah. on that stage and that time. Big time. Big moment for a big time player. All right, that's it for the, the film room. When we come back, we'll, we'll talk that talk. That's when uh, me and Big Ray throw some topics. He tells me I'm wrong. I tell him he's wrong. And we might be right, but that's just what we do. That's coming up next right here on Hawks Live. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Welcome back to Hawks Live. We are here. I'm Michael Bumpus with Ray Roberts. Brennan Rogers over there. Brother Chauncey Sanders, Nasa Trovey, those are the guys who make all this happen. And the people right here people. hanging out with us. It's time for Talk That Talk. This is what happens in Talk That Talk. So I throw a topic out there. And uh, typically, this is Paul Moyer sitting here. I tell him why he is wrong, and I just cannot mess with him anymore. I got you. All right? But it's Big Ray. I'll just tell you that you're wrong, but 
I can still rock with you. Oh, we, you know, we can rock like that, dog. You know, we go way back. It's what we do. Yeah. All right, so. My little bro. First one. Here we go. Devin Witherspoon has a legit shot at winning Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yes? No? How do you feel about that? You know, from the rookies that I've seen on defense, like, he has a chance to be the most impactful. I mean, it's going to be hard to come back, you know, to duplicate the game that he just had. Right. You know, you know, two sacks and a pick six, 90-something yards, whatever. But he is one of those dudes that the camera likes. You're gonna, they're gonna see him a lot. He's like very, that. he's very animated, and so you're gonna see his highlights a lot. And I think that's gonna carry it for him because he's gonna make a lot of plays. So I'm going yes. Man, that is the best description I've heard. He's a guy that the camera likes. Yes. If the camera likes you, that means you're making plays. You're doing something they're right. They're zooming in. Yeah. If you guys don't know, right, when you produce a show, there's a producer in your ear. He goes, ah, 21, 21, get to number 21. And he's telling the camera where to go. Devin Witherspoon is the type of guy to where the producer's in the, uh, the guy's ear and saying, look, get to 21. I agree with you, man. I think he does. And you know what's crazy is that the guy that most people wanted the Seahawks to pick up has a chance as well as winning uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Yeah. You're looking at Jalen Carter. I, I believe he has two and a half or three and a half sacks on the year. As an interior lineman, that looks good. But I think that teams are going to attack the Seahawks on the perimeter because right. they've been so good inside the box stopping the run that Devin Witherspoon is going to have more opportunities to make plays. All right, I think we agree right there, Big Ray. Tell you. Next one. You want to read it? Where are we at? Jackson Smith. Jackson Smith and Jigba and Jigma. Ba, ma. Ba. And Jigma. Uh, we'll have his first breakout game on Sunday. His first breakout game? Didn't he already said. have it? Oh, no, no, no. I'm thinking Witherspoon. See, I'm thinking rookies. I'm all jacked up. <laughs> I'm all jacked up, man. My man, JSN. We've been waiting on this, right? The 20th pick in the league. You got Geno Smith, this guy who was the only NFC quarterback to throw for over 30 touchdowns, 4,000 yards. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's about to go down. It's about to go down because teams are going to look at Ken Walker, even Zach Charbonnet before JSN, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and the tight ends are going to be like, hey, don't worry about that number 11. He ain't doing much. Well, here's the thing, though. What would constitute a breakout game? Like, what would the stats be? For me, if he he has two yards and a touchdown, that's a breakout. (laughs) Two two yards? Hey, just get in the zone. All right, so now if he doesn't get in the zone, I'm going to take six receptions for 80 to 100 yards because he's a slot receiver. He's the third option, essentially. He's really the yeah. fourth option because you got the, the tight ends involved. The two yards and a touchdown, I'm not calling that a breakout. I'm, all right, all right. But, but if he has, the, right. if he has the, the four or five catches for 80 yards and if, if, even no touchdown, I think I would call that a, right. a breakout game. What about, what about 40 yards and a touchdown? I can see that. I mean, because okay. he's not going to probably won't get a ton of targets. Yeah. So to, to get 40 yards, he'll have to be making the most of what okay. he gets. So right. I can, you, you'll get to see the full him if he does that. Right. But I'm not sure it's going to happen. No? No. Sure. I, I don't I don't think it's I don't think the time is there yet. I don't I don't think it's right there yet. I respect it. Yeah. I ain't mad at that at all. Okay. Next one. Jamal Adams will look like his 2020 form against the Cincinnati Bengals. Mm. What you think, Big Ray? The thing I like about the way he came back, even in the nine plays, is that he played without hesitation. Right. So I think that will give him a chance to play like his 2020 form. 
because other because the injury he had when he hear you hear him talk about it, his kneecap was he was holding his kneecap on the side as he was running off the field. You familiar with that, aren't you? A little bit. Yeah, I, I did my patella tendon and my and my kneecap was up in my my thigh. Goodness gracious! <laughs> but uh, but. I, and I had to, I had them come and, and carry me off. He ran off, <laughs> holding Wait, his hold, knee. Hold, hold. Yeah, Big Ray. Yeah, they call you Big Ray for a reason. I couldn't they walk it off. They carried you off. I couldn't walk it off. How dog. many, how many men did did it take? Well, one dude came out, and then he was like, uh, "You okay?" I'm like, "No." He's like, "Well, I'll be right back." <laughs> and we got reinforcements. <laughs> but but the, the fact that he came back off the injury and was just playing at the pace and speed and recklessness that he plays with. Right. I think, you know, if, if he's – the cobwebs are cleared out of his head and they put him in the right position, I think he's going to make a lot of plays on Sunday. So I could see that happening, him looking like 2020 Jamal. I think we saw for nine plays. Yeah. You know, he almost had a sack. He had two tackles. He looked explosive, and I think that's all I was looking for. The right. one thing I want to see, he didn't look really flexible, Big Ray. Like, I'm looking at his pad level and the hinge and the hips, yeah. you know. And I look at him, I go, he's still thinking about it. So I think now, after he has a, a game under his belt, he's put something on film that he can look at and see, like, okay, I'm good to go. I think he's going to come out and do his thing. I got you. I all right, so. what you got, man? We got a... Uh, I, I think the next one is... What, team? Uh, what, what team? team scares you more? The San Francisco 49ers or the Philadelphia Eagles? Who y'all think? It got to be the Niners. We see them twice. We see them twice. Do we see Philly this year? Do we I see Philly? Once. Any yeah. experts out there? I'm supposed to be the expert. Yeah, we do see Philly. All right, but we see the Niners twice, man. I'm looking at Brock Purdy. He's legit. I'm done questioning Brock Purdy. As long as he has Debo, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, and the rest of the gang surrounding him, I think he's going to be good to go. I'm looking at the 49ers and say, if you can take one, that's a win. This is true. And we tend to split with them. The, the thing I would say, though, is that Philadelphia has been through it. They have a lot of guys, you know, that are still on the team and went to the Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. And they've, they've had to grind they've had to grind through some wins and so if it if it was uh if it was a game where the 49ers have to play from behind i'm i, I would fear if, if both teams were playing from behind i would fear philadelphia more right because they they find a way to win mm -hmm. and they have the that kind of a grit toughness to win if it's a team that's playing from the front I think uh, the the Niners are the team to, to be afraid of because Philly will let a team slide right, back in. Right. But I, but I think that when they're up on top, when they're on top, the uh, the 49ers just close the deal. I like that because I'm not I don't know for sure, but go through my memory. I think that I haven't seen Brock Purdy lead a game winning drive yet. Right. To where you have to make the plays. You have Everyone knows you're going to throw the football. It's typically been, all right, man, I got options. Boom, my defense is holding me down. Just don't lose the game. Right. Let's see him win a game. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. I like that. All right, last one. Are we finally seeing that Tom Brady was more important to the Patriots dynasty than Bill Belichick? Oh, man. Man, that's, that's a, a tough one. That is a tough one because they, it's like how do you separate one from the other? Because, yeah. I mean, they did draft him. Bill Belichick did see something in him to make the decision to, to put him in the game. Right. And uh, I had a buddy of mine that played left guard for them. Uh, he was my left guard in Detroit, and then he ended up going to, to the Patriots. And he said that the first day that Tom Brady came into the huddle in practice, 
he said, hey, we're going to the Super Bowl. And everybody laughed at him. Like, not that they weren't believing that they can get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's just like, who is this dude right. telling us we're going to go to the Super Bowl? Uh-huh. But for whatever, it was something about the way he did it. Everybody jumped on board with him. And he's just, and then he was that dude from that point on. So, uh, but you have to give whoever, Bill Belichick, whoever the quarterback coach was, the scouting department, whatever, they drafted him and then had the, the guts to give him the chance right. to go out there and play. So I was still kind of, the players still have to play. So I would still give a little bit more lean to the to Tom Brady over Belichick, but it's, you can't discount it. It's all about the players. Yeah. It's all about the players. You can have the perfect scheme offensively to a defense. If you don't have the guys to execute it, you, you're done. Yeah. And same thing defensively. You could say, look, if we do this, we're going to lock down what this offense wants to do. If you don't have the Jimmys and Joes <laughs> to make it happen, then it's not going to happen. But this is football, right? The history is always a great coach is connected to a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I say all that to contradict everything I just said. <laughs> Ray, to say, hey, hand in hand. This is a uh, this is mesh. When I call my office, yeah. mesh, mesh concept. My that's fingers, what my fingers it. are too jacked up to do all that. <laughs> But, uh, but no, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like when you're a, a coach, high school coach, and you're having to deal with parents, you yeah. know, coaches coach, players play, parents, you know, parent and cheer. Yep. Uh, but in this situation, the player had to go do the, had to go do it. Yep. And he did it at such a level that, yes, the coaching and the environment and everything was set up for him to succeed, but then he had to go succeed. And he did that. And so I, w- I would lean more towards the player than the coach. Then he left and did it again. Yes. And that coach has not been able to do it again. There it Granted, is. Granted, you need a quarterback to win. Mac Jones is not the answer. Mac Jones is not that guy. All right, we got one more segment when we come back. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us today here on Hawks Live. We'll give you our final thoughts. That's coming up next. Hawks Live, presented by the Dining District of the Bellevue Collection at Bellevue Square Center Court, live on air on Seattle Sports. Last segment of Hawks Live. It's been great, man. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate you guys great coming crowd. out, showing love, doing what you do, man. Hey, you guys, make sure you get up to Bellevue Collection Dining District. So many great restaurants to choose from. Today, we had our pre-show meal at Hapanessa. Man, I had the amazing Headless Horseman sushi rolls. I love me some sushi, Big Ray. All right, holiday-themed cocktails, chicken teriyaki and shrimp gyoza, and so much more. We sat there. You guys were there first. Right. Then I rolled up, and you guys were you guys were digging in. I'm like, all right, I got to catch up, man. Well, they had these uh, stuffed jalapenos. With uh, some salmon and some other things. <laughs> and it was really good. I, I didn't know what it was going to be like. I haven't had that combination of right. things together before. Uh, but uh, I had that, and I had the, also the ginger chicken, okay. which was really good. Yeah. So I also good had um, some steak, some chicken. You know, so they're a little bit of everything. A little bit sushi, of everything. You got chicken, got steak, all that good stuff. Nice sushi bar. Uh, you can sit at and great food. Can't say I'm the biggest sushi fan, but it was delicious. It was good. It was good. All right. Final segment, final thoughts. I look at this football team in the Seattle Seahawks, and I go, okay. A couple weeks ago, you go to the East Coast. 
I'm from Cali. You're from the East, kind of low-key. Yes. All right, but you've been out here a long time. Yes. So you're pretty much West Coast, too. <laughs> so we go to the East Coast, and we get it done against a team that we were still trying to figure out at the time. Like, who are these guys, mm-hmm. right? They play well. They don't play well. Um, and we end up getting 11 sacks and holding these guys to not a lot of yards offensively. The next week, they go out and they lose again. Mm-hmm. Do we ignore what we just saw, or do we take that and build off of it? No, I don't think you ignore it because um, it was a game that you should have won the way you won it. Right. Like if they had gone in and struggled and we had to do the whole Pete Carroll, we got to win it in the fourth quarter thing, right. and we squeaked out a win, then I, I would be a little bit concerned. But like I said uh, the start of the show, it's important for that defense to see and understand what it feels like when it's working, mm-hmm. when, it, when it works exactly the way they have planned it. If you watch some of the line stunts that they did along the defensive line, they were more precise. They were hitting the mark, the, the targets better. If you look at the pass rush, the pass rush was closing the edge a little bit better. The coverage was a little bit tighter. Uh, and so it's important to understand what that feels like so that when you're doing it, you kind of know, like, okay, this is, this is yes. what success feels like. Mm-hmm. And so, and... We are a team that can go and play a team that we should beat, and we can beat them from the very – we can just pound them right from the very beginning. And so that was important. The, the key for the Seahawks is to keep it all in perspective. Right. It was a team that was struggling. It was a team that you should, should beat down like the way you beat it down. But don't allow it to uh, elevate you to the point where you start forgetting about the little details. Man, that's such a tricky game you got to play. Yeah. Because you have to appreciate what you did against an NFL team. Yes. Only 32 of them things. Yep. Only 1,500 players and in the league. And they get paid to play and, and all that stuff. And they get paid. They draft high. They draft yes. low. All that good stuff. But you also got to keep it in reality and say, okay, let's prove it to ourselves mm-hmm. and let's do it again. You got to block for Barry Sanders. Yes. Was there a game where you guys ran for a bunch of yards and then you had to get back into the locker room and be like, Okay, let's do it again. Well, I mean, <laughs> blocking for Barry, <laughs> <laughs> like every game, part of it you were like, man, I'm glad he was on our team so we can <laughs> run for that many yards because I've missed a lot of blocks. But, uh, but no, nah, the, the run that he, the, the year that he rushed for 2,053 yards, after the first two games, we had only rushed, he had only rushed for a combined 53 yards. Wow. And so then we had this big, uh, the offense coordinator called myself and Barry and Herman Moore and the quarterback. We all had this big powwow and, and like, what should we do and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, dude, we got the best running back on the universe. I don't get paid to call the plays, but if you're asking me, I would run this dude until his shoes fell off. Right. Like, we'd have to have truckloads of oxygen for him on the sideline. He's our best player. He had only had, like, 11 to 12 carries in two games. And so then, yeah. Barry Sanders. And so then for the next 14 games, we rushed for over 100 yards every game, and he rushed for exactly 2,000 yards in 14 games. So each week, we had to go like, okay, what, what did we do well in that game that we could bring to this game without, like, celebrating ourselves too much? Right. We still had to go out and block. We still, you know, we played in NFC North. It's a physical, physical division at the time. Green yeah. Bay and Chicago uh, and us and and so, uh, so, yeah, you have to – the thing I think Pete Carroll does a good job at and then the leadership on this team does a good job is they, they keep it in perspective. They don't get too high or they don't get too low. And I think if they keep it in perspective, this is a, a win that especially the defense can, can, uh, can build on. 
Man, that's crazy that uh, you guys are only feeding him six to yeah. five carries in the first Bobby two Ross. weeks. And then you figured it out. Um, so I look at this team and I go, they might have figured something out. I think they figured out that, look, we need to use the tight ends. Mm-hmm. We need to sprinkle in Ken Walker and Zach Charbonnet. And we also need to get the receivers involved. One element that might be missing is JSN. And I'm not in a rush to get him going. Right. I feel like he's like the best kept secret in the NFL right now. Yeah, and he, I think he's going to have – he's going to hit his stride at some point in the season. And it's going to be – he's going to make some very impactful plays. Uh, and I also think that even with the running game, Pete Carroll said a few weeks ago that the running game still wasn't where they wanted it to be. Uh, because if you take away a couple of the big runs, both running backs are still averaging about a little under four yards a carry. And so if they want to be consistent in the run game, they have to do a little bit better job with the guard and the centers getting up to the second level, up to the linebackers, because too many of those guys are running free. And so I think if they clean that stuff up, then you get more little play action. You can hit some of those crossing routes and things to, to, to JSN and, and give him a chance to catch the ball and run. I think you were the one who said he's more, of a, he's more explosive when he catches the ball on the run right. versus catching it at a standstill mm-hmm. and trying to wiggle and make someone miss. So I think, they're gonna, I think they'll find some opportunities for him that way. Man. That's it for us, man. We appreciate you guys for hanging out. I appreciate my guy, Big Ray. And also special thanks to Jeff Hobson, Jake Carahan, and Devin Witherspoon for joining the show. Our board operators, Bravey Robic and Max Strobel, on-site engineer, Brennan Rogers. Love Brennan. Production in- assistant is Chauncey Sanders. Our executive producer is Nasa Chobie. The Seahawks pregame show is live this Sunday starting at 7 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bombas with Big Ray Roberts. We'll be back next week right here on Hawks Live.